This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You are listening to The Mauer Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. I want to welcome everybody to this evening's Mauer Report. Just, just was telling my guest tonight that I feel like I'm forgetting something, so... I'm not sure what it is. So if somebody out there knows what I'm forgetting, some psychic, maybe it's the lottery numbers that I wrote down somewhere and I can't remember where they are. Oh, anyways. <laughs> my, my guest tonight is Tom Con- Conwell. Tom, been a while since we've talked, so uh, how how have you been? Or how are you tonight, I guess, more importantly? Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. Had, you know, a couple of medical problems along the way. That's what happens when you get old. And um, other than that, I'm... Uh, um, hanging in there and uh, uh, trying to trying to keep up with uh, uh, what I've promised people that I'm going to do. Uh, finished five books and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Before we wander off into conversation, let's talk. Let's get the books promoted because I know I have a. I don't want to say an extensive list of things, but we're going to get lost in the weeds. I'm pretty sure once we get started here. So, five books, Tom. I, I that's I remember two. I think so. You've been putting pen to paper well i don't even know if that holds true anymore but go ahead tell me about them (laughs) sure um well i i started out with uh uh, writing about ufo sightings on the east coast and i got through the sightings on the east coast and finished the book and i just i thought something was missing with it you know and i just i wasn't happy with it so I started the second book, which was the Central United States, and all of a sudden it hit me what was missing. What was missing was a map. Um, so when I did the Central United States, I filled in the map, uh, a, a large 30 by 50 map of the United States with uh, pins of sightings of um, three different types of craft. And um, as I started filling these in, I was realizing that not only did I miss out on doing this in the first volume, that um, what was interesting about this is that I started finding all these little sections where there were collections of UFO sightings where there wasn't large collections of people. I found that really, really interesting. And um, that's what that's what really, really got me going um, to finish this map. I did the central United States and I stopped writing, stopped doing what I was doing. I jumped back and finished the eastern United States. Then I had two-thirds of a map with all of these little spots in there that did not have any explanations for. Um, In other words, uh, maybe 30 or 40 sightings for uh, just – I was only looking at about a five-year window. But 30 or 40 sightings in an area where it was mostly um, woods or mountains – and that was really unusual, um, seeing that I was getting 30, 40, 50 sightings in uh, areas where there were cities. So um, I, I put that aside and went back and tried to finish the third book, which was the Western United States. Um, as I finished the Western United States, something else popped up that was evident for me. And that was 
uh, cities where I had a whole lot more sightings within a city area than I did anywhere in the central or eastern United States, such as Phoenix, where they were loaded, and Seattle, and Portland, and San Francisco and Los Angeles. These cities were just just massive with sightings. And I, I just found that so unusual. Um, so what I did was I went back and started uh, tinkering with my books to try to find out why this was occurring. Why were we having sightings in areas that I didn't expect? Um, so um, what I did then was look into the potential reasons of why that might be happening. And um, the one thing that bothered me is that the whole time I was looking at why based on the viewpoint of someone who lives here on Earth, not based on the viewpoint of somebody visiting from another planet. In other words either after our resources or maybe where are, are our minerals or um, is there pollution here or you know, I tried to look at absolutely everything across the entirety of the United States went back finished um, uh, finished volume 3 which was the western US went back in and filled in what I what I didn't write about in Volume Two, which was the Central United States, and then went back into Volume One and updated everything that I had included in Volume Two and Three. And this was a project. Let me tell you, it took me after I thought I had written my books and I was happy with them. I had to go back in and do probably another another year's worth of work to go back in and backfill all the information that was missed. It was a nightmare. It really was, Jim. It was a whole lot of work that I left on the table, but I'm so happy that I did it because I have a volume one, two, and three that are comprehensive now. And uh, so okay. I just found that really, really um uh, heartwarming for me. Uh, I, I, this huge project, I completed it, and I was just so happy. I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe myself. Couldn't believe I did it. There was a heck of a lot of work involved. So you got. We, I was gonna say. So you got. Are we gonna say something, Jim? Yeah, I was gonna say. So you got the map going, and you got these books going. How how many sleepless nights do we have in here? <laughs> Well, um, actually, uh, when bedtime hit at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, I fell right to sleep. My biggest problem was at 3 a.m., that's when I woke up. Oh, okay. and my <laughs> I was going to say, I knew there was a problem here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. well, my mind was going 100 miles an hour with, with all the things that I had to do for the next day. It was a nightmare. It really was tough. So you get you get the the third book done. So what what happens next? Okay. Well, um, I had when I first became a ufologist. That's right after I retired. Um, I went into paranormal investigating and ufology. So what I wanted to do was write write down my thoughts on what we would have to do as a race of people to get there. Not trying to think of what they did to get here. Okay? So I tried to list all of the problems in physics that we would have to solve and go back in and write about each of those particular problems. And um, when I did that... Um, I, I had approximately uh, 35 very long blogs. They were anywhere from one to five typewritten pages. So um, 
I took all of those blogs and tried to put them in some sort of logical order so that if you were going to solve a problem, you know, this is the first one you'd solve, and this is the second, and this is the third. And I tried to uh, put all of the various um, uh, blogs that I had written and uh, put them in some sort of order. Then, of course, with each of these, I had to write how else would I describe it? Kind of like a joining thing between each one so that it, it would flow between one and the other. So that was, uh, that was interesting work. It didn't take me as long as I thought it was going to take me because I just basically had to write 35 joiners. All of the blogs were written. And it was pretty interesting. So this was my fourth book. And this book is um, entitled Going Interstellar. So if we're going interstellar, these are the problems we have to solve. So um, those are my first four books. And I said I wrote five of them. Well, I didn't know what else to write about, so I just put all that aside and stopped thinking about it. And um, I guess one of those mornings I woke up with with an idea. Hey, I'm going to prove that UFOs are attracted to major earthquakes. People say they are all the time. You hear that all the time. Uh, But I never saw anybody prove it. So I thought, okay, it's my job. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to try to prove this. So I got the um, um, got the thing with uh, the the list of earthquakes from the uh, the earthquake center and um, found where the big ones occurred from 2001 to approximately 2016 because that's what I had uh, that's what I uh, where I uh, massaged the uh, the database um, right up until that point and um, I made a list of where the earthquakes occurred and of course I had all of the databases and I joined them all into one great big database which was a nightmare (laughs) so I had probably hmm maybe 90,000 sightings in this database. Um, it, was, it was pretty voluminous, let me tell you. But what, then what I had to do is I had to um, uh, sort of break it up into pieces um, uh, because the greatest majority of the quakes occurred on the east coast, or excuse me, on on the west coast, out near California, and off of the off the coast of California, and of course up into Oregon and Washington, that was a majority of the quakes. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, I got to break up the database into three separate ones, so that if something were to occur in the west, then I could just do the west. And if something occurred in the central, then I just have a smaller database in the central United States to work with. And the same with the East Coast. So I, I created a, a small map of the United States and um, put a notation on each one of the maps where the major quakes were. And there was only about 20, I guess, major quakes that's above four and a half on the Richter scale. So 20 major quakes in the United States. And um, so I put them on a map. So I figured that all I had to do was look for a couple of days around that quake and make a notation in and around the quake where the UFO sightings were. And I'm going to have my proof didn't work out that way the proof wasn't forthcoming I was having UFO sightings around the place of course but 
no collection of UFO sightings around where the major quakes occurred. So I thought, well, okay, what else is going on in the United States? Maybe I should look at the whole United States to see if maybe there's other smaller quakes occurring elsewhere that they're collecting around. So um, I set up the database to do that. And um, then I had another idea. Besides that, why don't I expand the time frame that I'm looking for the quakes um, looking in around the, the, the time frame of the quake. In other words, maybe they are um, collecting around the quake up to five days before the quake occurs. So I included that information. I was going in four different directions and really had no idea what I was going to find. Well, when I when I put this on uh, on the maps that I had created, um, I settled on five days before, the day of and five days after as one of my things to look at. And then I also looked at two days before, the day of and two days after. And also at the same time, put all of the UFO sightings within those time frames on the maps. Well, I saw nothing there that I could write about. There was absolutely nothing. I couldn't say, oh yeah, all the, all the quakes um, are occurring here and all those UFOs are, are just going around it because that's not what I found. So I have all this data that I worked on for probably uh, 10, 12 months, something like that, and I had all these maps all over the place that I had stretched out, and I couldn't find anything to write about. I, I, I didn't know what to do. So... Um, I set the maps up on my kitchen table and put another table next to it and stretched all the maps out in like one great big continuous line left to right for um, two days before, two days after, and then above that, five days before and five days after, and just set them up on one great big line on uh, multiple tables. I still couldn't see anything. I mean, I was standing right in front of the maps and couldn't tell anything that was going on. So it's just the one time um, my dog barked and wanted to go outside. So I stopped what I was doing and I went to the back room and opened up the door. She went out and did her thing and I waited for her and came back in and um, closed the door back again and went back out into the kitchen to look and I stopped before I stood at the bottom of the map. You know, like when you look at the map of the U.S., you'd stand where Texas is and look upward, you know, where California is on your left and New York's on your right. But this time, I stood basically down a whole row of these maps where California is and I looked down the row of maps I saw all of these straight lines that the UFO sightings were uh, showing me on probably about 90% of the maps what the heck is that from why are they straight line sightings so I had a I had to come up with a reason. So I went back through all of the information that I did on my first three books and looked at why um, why possibly they could be in the particular areas that they are. Uh, is it the minerals? Is it the water resources? Is it the pollution? Um, is it... Um, 
Is it uh, rivers uh, and mountains? I looked at everything. And you know what occurred? And, well, this, this was one of the other times when I woke up at 3 in the morning and thought, you know what? If these guys were able to go across the entire cosmos and show up here, they have some super duper computers in their in their uh, craft. So why would they have to keep going back and forth over the same areas? There's no reason. If they scanned across the entire country and they mapped the resources, well, they'd have all that information there, and all they had to do was go back through their look up the data that they found. There would there'd be no reason for them to keep going back and forth looking at the rivers. The rivers aren't changing. The minerals aren't changing. The pollution is changing, but only slightly and uh, continuously going up. So they could almost predict what that's going to be. Um, the Air Force bases, they aren't moving those. I mean, I, I couldn't come up with a reason of why there were straight-line sightings across the country until about two weeks later at 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up and, ha-ha, I know why. I bet that they are looking at the only thing that could possibly be changing in our country. This was same, same would go for every other country. And now, only thing that's changing is the people. The people are awakening. The people are realizing that they are um, that they are seeing and realizing things that they never saw and realized. They're seeing ghosts. They're they're um, seeing things in the sky. They are awakening. So is the country. So is the world. The world is awakening. But that's what's changing. And it's changing almost on a daily basis. So that's what they're looking at. So then I had this other problem. What does awakening mean? I knew it was happening because I was experiencing a lot of the same stuff myself, Jim. And... um, um, I I couldn't put my thumb on what was happening to me. So I got uh, help from a whole lot of my Facebook friends who uh, many are um, uh, many are paranormal investigators and psychics and uh, empaths and uh, just just a whole range of people and I got them to write about what they could what what may be meaning what what is the meaning of awakening what is the meaning of ascension if we're ascending what does that um, uh, what what happens within the people and to write one two three pages about that and that's what I included in this book to um, to describe what the UFOs are most likely seeing and why they have to go back and forth over the same areas continuously because that's what's changing. Uh, this was this really took me by surprise. I I never expected to be in this realm, um, um, but. Let me tell you, it really set me back. I couldn't put my finger on anything, and boom, there it was right in front of me. It was, it was really quite remarkable. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I mean, I've noticed that people are paying more attention. I don't know if I'd call them awake, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation for another time. But at least they're paying attention and starting, I guess. It's yes. not it's not a light switch moment for most people. I mean some of us, yeah, it is. Once we kind of come to grips to it and we just nose dive into it. Other people it's kind of a drip. So 
Now, I've got to ask you this question because it came up in my chat room, and I'm just going to do it. I think I know the answer to this, and you you can laugh at me because I think, uh, just go ahead. That's just what I'm going to say. <laughs> go ahead. Any, any thoughts of doing a map of Canada? If I were to come up with um, the database for Canada, then perhaps I would do it. See, the, the, the database for the United States was in the National UFO Reporting Center, and it was right there. And for the United States at the time I started, there were about 80,000 sightings. And it was it was tough to edit out the ones that weren't really valid sightings and uh, deal with all the rest. I don't know if a database exists in Canada. So that would be my first problem. And the second problem would, of course, be to get a get a large uh, map of Canada and um, sit there and put pins in it. That would be a whole lot harder for me because I'm not that familiar with the geography. Well, there, there's your problems, Canada. Fix it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! If it was only those, if those were the only Canada's problems, right? We could, well. Uh, <laughs> so while we're fixing problems that don't exist or do exist, um, I'm interested on your take of the Space Force because I know we didn't talk about this the last time you're on because it's a new newish creation. Um, I know that everybody says it isn't about extraterrestrials; it's about space junk. But you know, on some level, of course, we're you know. You just told me about 80,000 sightings. So on some level, it has to be something about that. Wow. Okay. The U.S. Space Force. I honestly don't know what they're doing with the U.S. Space Force. Um, I've tried to read everything I possibly can, and I'm probably no further along than anyone else is. Um because I'm, I'm, I've been concentrating on, on these particular sightings and what they may be revealing to me. Um, <clears throat> but looking at some of the, uh, some of the obvious things, uh, might they be uh, worried about uh, cleaning up the um, low Earth orbit so that they can send things up there without worrying about? something crashing into them sure I'm, I, that's got to be on the radar because it's a mess up there um, but with all these UFO sightings uh, there's probably a good measure of them that can be explained away but they all can't be so going up there they have to be aware that they are looking out for the future of the Earth, and I would not be surprised at all if they're working with other civilizations up there. I wouldn't be surprised a bit. Which leads me to my, well, our, we, I kind of threw some, ask you if there's anything you want to talk about. And disclosure came up, and of course I'm always about that, because... <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I had Jim Mars on the show years ago, and he said, "Even if the government came out and slapped down everything they had, would you believe that? Would you believe them?" And of course, it's the government. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> would you believe them? <laughs> so, do you do you, do you think they're ever going to come out and slap everything down they have in front of us? Yeah, I think we've seen just about all we're going to see. Um, I don't think they're going to come forth with the uh, the uh, wreckage or anything else, not for a long time to come. But um, they are releasing uh, little bits of information about things that uh, some of the pilots are seeing, like the military uh, pilots. And that's going to continue happening in little dribs and drabs. Uh, it. I don't believe we'll ever get a huge revelation out of the government um, uh, for the exact reason that Jim said nobody's going to believe him anyhow. However, um, 
if they if they were to come out with something, um, I don't know how well received it would be. I don't think it would be panic, but I'm just not sure that um, that uh, it would be received very well. Um, back, oh, let's go back about six years or so. Um, Richard Dolan wrote a book. A.D. After Disclosure. That was the name of the book, A.D. After Disclosure. This was an absolutely awesome book. And what he did was he described um, something that uh, would be akin to them landing on the White House lawn and... um, how everybody in our country would react to it. And um, he did a wonderful job in uh, going right to the minutia of how this person may react or this area of the country may react. Um, It it was just wonderful what he did. Um, But as this book progressed, people started realizing that the government most likely knew what was going on for a longer period of time than they described. That some of the new things that were uh, being released in the technological field could have been used many years previous um, to make our lives better. If we had access to um, to uh, uh, seriously advanced um, uh, medical skills and were able to cure cancer, how many people's family members would be alive? That would create some real problems. <laughs> and um, this book did a wonderful, wonderful job of uh, all of the various scenarios. And he ended up describing what would happen years after the original revelation as that um, uh, the country may actually fail because uh, have lost um, uh, all trust. Uh, this this book was wonderful. I really highly recommend that everybody reads it. Uh, A.D. After Disclosure. It was written by Richard Dolan. It was marvelous. Just marvelous. And uh, he and his uh, co-author, can't recall his name now, <sighs> Bryce Zabel maybe? Um, but anyhow, it, it it was it was just awesome, and I highly recommend it for everyone. Yeah, I mean it sounds it sounds interesting. I mean to think about that. But okay, so I want to shift gears with you because it's almost Halloween for just a minute. Because it fascinates mm-hmm. me that I mean you you said that you retired and you got into paranormal investigating and ufology, and you've did all this <laughs> all this writing with the UFOs and all this other stuff. Wasn't the paranormal, that, the ghost hunting, that interesting for you? <laughs> well, it was. Um, but um, I came across um, quite a few teammates who um, uh, just never really took it seriously. And um, I was severely disillusioned. And also... I started meeting other um, uh, team members of other teams around the country and um, found that they didn't approach um, uh, didn't approach investigation uh, very seriously. They jumped to conclusions and I just got sick of it. Really, I just got sick of it. Even though I would love to go back out ghost hunting, um, but I just took things far too seriously, 
and um, tried to do things 100% the right way. Uh, and by the right way, I mean um, uh, looking at investigation styles and, and taking down evidence and debunking everything. There's a lot of groups that do that, but very rarely do they stick with it. Yeah, and I was going to say, there, there only seems to be two types. There's two types of people in, in ghost hunting. There's the people like you're describing that want to take it seriously, and then there's the exact opposite. It doesn't, there's, yeah. There doesn't seem to be much gray area, especially with ghost hunting. Now, ufology and cryptids, it kind of seems to kind of get more gray. Maybe that's where it fills in. I'm not sure, but that'd be an interesting thing to... You're, you, I'm, I'm inspired by your map at this moment. I'm like, maybe I should make this kind of diagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> because it seems there's definitely more gray area when it comes to ufology. Like, people believe, and then there's this whole... Uh, there's layers to it. Maybe, you know what I'm talking about. The people yeah. that are wearing tinfoil hats, and the people that believe, and then there's the people that kind of believe. Uh, yeah, and everybody is an expert. Just ask them. <laughs> well, Tom, you know, that's why I I'm mean, asking you. You're here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, whether they're an expert or not, they're all experts. Um, and that that really bothers me. Um, um, a little bit of uh, humility would go a long way, you know. Uh, perhaps draw your conclusions and leave the door open for discussion and don't close the door on other discussions with people. If we did that, we would be way ahead of the game. But um, we never seem to want to do that and everybody wants to flex their muscles and and uh, uh, describe themselves as as the resident expert and that's that's just not helpful you know you said resident expert and you know the phrase that came to mind is my mind is the uh, the village called and they went their idiot back oh (laughs) yeah there's a there's a couple of those oh Tom I'm glad I said that not you yeah. <laughs> and the hate mail starts to pile in now. And <laughs> I'm not talking about you specifically. Don't take it personally. God. Uh, you know there's some guy out there right now who feels personally oh, attacked by that. Absolutely. So, where, okay, so I'm back to my big chart thing here. Where, where do cryptids enter in your picture? Have you had an interest in Bigfoot or any of those other things? Um... When I first started in with UFOs, I was in with a group of people who also did uh, Bigfoot research. Very interesting um, uh, people. There, there were there, there were two of them specifically. They had opposite opinions, but I listened to everything, and I was of the opinion at the time that you know I I'm not so convinced that Bigfoot exists. Um, and then I, you know, started hearing stories, started doing research, started reading, um, uh, about it and what people were seeing and describing. And I've come to the conclusion now that I don't think that, uh, Bigfoot is a primate. In other words, an ape. I, I don't believe that. Uh, but I also think that, Bigfoot is potentially interdimensional. Now, you're not the first person to say that to me, but it stops me every time I hear it. Because it makes sense to a level. And, of course, then that kind of opens the UFO thing back up, too. Why some some people do, and the ghost thing. Like, it all kind of puts it... Well, it keeps it in the same box, obviously, because they're all connected there. It changes where the box is at. Bad pun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I put some credits in that because I think there's something, if it's another dimension, as I, you know, as we're talking about, 
or something. I mean, it kind of makes it makes sense. Of course, I'm not making any sense right now, so that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't I don't think that they are from another planet. That the UFOs brought them here and um, uh, released them on, onto the planet in various places and whatever. I don't, I don't believe that. But uh, I would not be surprised if they have been um, in and out of our reality for tens of thousands of years. That they've been around, and interdimensional is the only thing that really makes sense to me, because if they, if they are able to go between dimensions, it explains why they disappear. And many of them. Um, it also explains why there's no, uh, uh, there's no a carcass. Um, so. I, w- I would not be surprised if they are interdimensional and have been uh, uh, with us all these all this time. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm, I'm now I'm looking back at your map and I'm seeing those straight lines and I'm thinking, is there something there between the dimensions and where they line up? And could be deep thoughts aren't good. Good audio though. Uh, Hmm. Um, so are you out I mean you've done all the the pinning and all the stuff are you out actively looking for UFOs at night or um until recently I was um um, I've had a couple of medical problems and and I have a tendency to uh uh just want to sit in my chair at night but uh, believe me, it's not that I'm, I'm not thinking about them and uh, dreaming about them and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, uh, I'm not out at night looking for them um, because it's just too hard on me. So maybe you can answer this question. Have, are sightings up over the last, oh, 18 months? Um. I think that they are. It, it's sort of cyclic, and um, as as the sightings will go up uh, for a particular year, then they may be down for two years, and it cycles back up again. So it's almost sinusoidal uh, <clears throat> the amount of sightings that are that are being seen, but it's it's um, it's high right now. There's a lot going on in the skies. Oh God, this is just random. I don't even know if I want to go here. Oh, I'm doing it. I want you to figure out if it has anything to do with who's in the White House. If there's more sightings when a Republican's in the office or a Democrat. I would seriously doubt that. I don't think... I don't... I, I've, I've never come across <laughs> anything like that. Um... um I know that the amount of sightings right around 2000 uh, started to increase slightly and they increased in an upward trend all the way to about 2011. Hmm. And in 2011 through 2014, there was a big spike. And then 15, 16, it was slightly depressed and it it's on an upswing again. So I I don't think that you can say that one particular president um, is uh, is responsible for uh, more sightings. I think what's responsible for more sightings is people smoking cigarettes. But isn't that declining though? Uh, yeah, it is. It is, but. Um, uh, people are uh, smoking cigarettes, and that's when they go out and see things in the sky. Um, not only that, um, uh, they are also uh, uh, walking at night. 
Um, they're exercising. They're doing uh, uh, outdoor things. That is responsible for UFO sightings because, after all, unless you're outside, you're not going to see them. Well, you have to be outside and you have to be paying attention to the environment you're in, which also, also seems to be on the decline. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder how many actual sightings there could be if people were actually paying attention. Um, there was a there was an experiment done with um, uh, one of my friends who uh, who was uh, sampling people who have reported um, UFO sightings, and they the the best guess previous to her experiment was one out of every hundred sightings is being reported. So 99 things, people are sitting in the sky and they never report it. Um, But she looked at the amount of sightings and the amount of people who are outside and looking up and she found the number closer to a seven or eight hundred, one out of eight hundred. So <laughs> there would be a whole lot more things being reported than are being reported if people were to do the due diligence. Let me tell you, that's that's I'm, I was okay with the math with one in a hundred because I could just move the zeros and kind of make that work. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this 800 thing kind of well I'm not going to break out the calculator but wow uh, and then, I, then I'm sitting here wondering about the paranormal the, the ghost things how many are of those are being quote unquote reported versus not the people just roll off as of something else and that, that's probably well, going to be in that 1 in 800 range too um, I, I think it used to be but because of the uh, ghost shows I think that number has dropped down. You think? I think yes. there's still probably some people that aren't talking about them. Well, there's some that would never talk about it, and um, it it wouldn't be a good thing for them to say um, because of the work they're in, or or uh, because of their friends, or whatever the deal happens to be. But, um, um. I think it's more common that people will talk about a ghost than they would a UFO. You think that'll change at some point? Yes. Yep. Um, and I think that because the uh, government started mentioning um, UFOs and started mentioning the uh, uh, military seeing them and uh, various things like that, I think that'll take some of the stigma away. My favorite point of reference is the Pope agreeing that he had baptized aliens. That was interesting. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Like that, that just sticks with me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, that might be as close as disclosures we ever get. And that's probably close enough for me. Mm-hmm. For him to come out and say that was kind of like, and then I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, where does that come from? Like, can you imagine being, you know, just randomly one day and the guy's Pope's like, hey, you know what I want to do? I'm going to go out and talk about aliens today. Um, yeah, there, there had to have been a conscious decision to do that. Yeah, like, I can't imagine being in that room. Like that. Yeah, um, there was, I'm, I'm trying to think of his name now. There was a, there was a, uh, a priest who is the Vatican astronomer, uh, Father Anselmo, or something like that. Um, but anyhow, he he talked about aliens and um, said that they definitely exist and things along those lines. Very shortly after, 
the Pope said what he said. Yeah, which, I mean, after the Pope said it, I mean, it kind of just became, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, like I said, it just kind of is like, of all the places, uh, when I, I would have lost a lot of money hearing that news. <laughs> yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, but the Vatican knows everything there is to know about extraterrestrial intelligence. You think they'll ever tell us anymore? In little dribs and drabs, they will. I see. Um, I, I'm interested to know what they know. That'd be fun. Hmm. Um. Yeah. It. it I don't. I don't think we're ever going to get the big D. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um. But the little D in terms of mentioning a particular sighting here or there or something, somebody somebody saw something, we'll, we'll definitely get a constant trickle of that stuff. So I kind of glossed over this when you said that you got into this after you retired. What made you interested in this whole ball of wax to start with? Um, well, I've always been interested in UFOs. Always. Uh, my aunt was the secretary for the Astronomical League of America when I was a teenager. And I would go with her to conferences on astronomy and a whole bunch of other stuff. I was always, always been interested in that subject. And um, when I was uh, a teenager, I mean, we're talking 1950s, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of information put out about it, but there were a couple of books written, um, and I read all of those books. Um, there were very interesting things about varying sightings that uh, people saw, that the government saw, that doctors saw. There's just a whole series of books about this. Um, trying to think I drew, drew a blank on who it was oh, darn it anyhow um, uh, he wrote about four or five books at the time oh Major Donald Kehoe and um, these books really got me interested in UFOs but I had no outlet for it 1950s there was nothing um, and then of course life got in the way uh, got married and had a couple of kids and worked worked the whole time and the only time I had an opportunity to do anything was when I had nothing to do and when I had nothing to do that's when I retired <laughs> you need to become one of those people that retire and get busier well it sounds like you did oh, oh it's awful <laughs> uh, that's the you know People, you know, I hear people saying, I'm going to retire and do this, that, and the other. And then I see them six months later and they're busy with this, that, and the other. But it's not the first thing they, they thought they were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never thought I was going to write a book. I never started out to write a book. I only started out doing research uh, in the databases so that I would have something to talk about when I was doing um uh, lectures. I love talking to people. And, um, matter of fact, I have something coming up in November. And, um, I absolutely love doing that. And, um, when I realized how much I had put together with just one state that I was looking into, just one state, then I realized I should. I should continue down the East Coast and do more of it. And that's what got me going on my first book. And there there it goes, down down yep. the road. And boom. <laughs> Literally down the road. That wasn't even mm-hmm. intentional, but there it was. Um, oh, go ahead and tell, me, tell the listeners about what you're doing in November and where people can find you and all that other fun stuff if they have any questions for you or want to get the books or, you know. You know what I'm saying, Tom. You've done this before. Mm, okay, sure. Um now, I'm talking to a paranormal group 
about UFOs. And um, that's down in Middletown, New York, which is up north of, um, I guess you could go to Scranton and go about 75 miles north. It's over the New York border, and that's where Middletown is. And um, um, my, my books are available through Amazon. You can search through, uh, uh, search through my, my, um, my writing name, which is Thomas W. Conwell, C-O-N-W-E-L-L. And, um, my uh, book names, they are here, volume one, volume two, and volume three, going interstellar. And earthquakes and UFOs. Their link is not what you think. Um, and those are my books, and that's how you can get them. And um, um, you can contact me uh, via uh, Facebook. That's the best way. My Facebook address is tom.conwell.3. That's my Facebook address. And um, um, my email address is T-C-O-N-W-E-L-1-L-2 at N-Y-C-A-P dot R-R dot com. There's a lot of ways you can get in touch with me. And uh, I'm, um, I'm available to chat with anybody uh, I love doing talks and if you have if you have a uh, a uh, uh, conference or anything else um, I love to talk at conferences as long as I can set up a, a booth and sell my books well, that seems fair in my opinion but what do I, what do I know I'm just a guy that talks <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you working on today are you working on another book or I hate um, I hate asking that question, but you know. Well, ahead. I I was working on another book, and um, I still get awakened at three a.m. Um, thinking of things, and one of the things that occurred to me about the next book that I was going to write is that. I don't know if it was a spirit guide or somebody else was trying to influence me, but they talked me out of writing the next one. Um, the next book I was going to write was about global warming and what the ETs are looking for from us in the way of a, a clean planet. Um, I did all the research and then just dropped it. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm I'm waiting for the next uh, um, uh, the next assignment, so to speak, because <laughs> that's where I get all my ideas in the morning. I wake up and I know what I'm going to do that day. Well, Tom, I appreciate you um, coming back on. I'm sorry it's taken so long, but you know, <laughs> get busy. I know you know how that goes. Oh yeah. So thanks again. Well, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Jim. It's been a long time since we chatted, and uh, it was good to touch base with you. Thank you, Tom. Have a good evening. Yep, you too, Jim. And there's uh, Tom Con Conwell there. Can't thank him enough for all the UFO knowledge tonight. Um, six years since he's been on, so go dig that one up if you're interested in hearing how Tom's changed through the years. I listened a little bit this afternoon just to kind of get my pacing and all that stuff back so yeah next week we've got something else special I'm not going to get into it yet and then the first Tuesday in November everybody knows it's the annual the 9th 8th prediction show be ready thank you for listening to this episode of the Mail Report stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. 
A reminder, the views and opinions of this show are those of the host and guest and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallard Report. Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of duckpondshop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout, duckpondshop.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep whacking. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.